Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're continuing now our second half of our series together on the topic of prayer. The first half of the series was addressing keys to unanswered prayer, and now we're kind of addressing some practical principles that will help our prayer lives. So uh, yesterday we talked about the idea of claiming God's promises and praying His Word back to Him and the power that's found there that uh, when Jesus prayed, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. It wasn't just us spending time reading the Bible, but actually praying the word of God back to him. And now what we're going to be addressing today are some kind of practical steps for personal and intercessory prayer. And uh, then after that, we'll have one more day of just kind of addressing some kind of testimonies and some uh, last closing practical thoughts on prayer. So what I'd like to do is begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll start our message again today. God in heaven, thank you for this privilege to pray, to have this time with this group. And we just pray that our time would be fruitful and effective just now, that you would speak to us. And I just pray that you would do something in our time together here that will just help our prayer lives to come alive. And so we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to share was something that's kind of tied to our devotional lives that ties to prayer, and then we'll go into actual personal prayer and intercessory prayer. But if you find yourself that your devotional life has just gone dry, that it's just not what it used to be, it's not really all that vibrant or exciting, uh, I remember hearing Dwight Nelson talk about this a few years ago, kind of picking up from an Ellen White quote where she addresses this kind of principle uh, from Desire of Ages, where he talked about just reading a story a day in Scripture and read it multiple times, in, in the life of Jesus particularly. So somewhere in the Gospels, just choose a story a day. Maybe Jesus healing the leper in Matthew chapter 8, where he says, you know, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing, be cleansed. Or you read another story of the woman who comes and touches Jesus as the hem of his garment, and her internal bleeding is healed. Whatever it may be, just choose a story a day, and then you reread this to re-experience it and reapply it and engage your different senses, right? So what would it look like? What would it sound like? You know, what would you, what would it feel like when you're on the Sea of Galilee or in, in the hot sun? And just kind of engaging each of your different senses while you're rereading the story to just kind of immerse yourself in it. Uh, the phrase that Ellen White uses for this is to let your imagination grasp every scene. This is Desire of Ages 83.4. She says, it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. And then after that, she says, especially the closing ones, uh, as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more confident or constant. Our love will be quickened and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. If we would be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. So this is a great example for us as just a way to kind of let your imagination be immersed in the scenes of Scripture, right? It's way better than any TV show you'll ever watch, I assure you. But it's a really great way to just kind of prayerfully engage with Scripture. So once you read that story, take some time to pray and say, God, you know what? Imagine if you're reading the story of the rich young ruler and just ask him, God, am I the rich young ruler? Are there ways in which I'm saying that there are certain things in my life and my experience that are more important than you? That I think I want to follow you, I think I want to go all in, but when you ask for that stuff I don't want to deal with right now, Lord, is there any of that in my life today? And maybe even take some time to pray and just say, Lord, what would you tell me? 
You know, what, what commentary would you give me on this verse? Here's my own thoughts about it, but what would you say to me? So you, uh, he talks about kind of journaling your prayers. So journal a letter that you write to God about what you just read, and maybe journal what God would say to you based upon what you just read. Just ways to re-engage Scripture through prayer and through uh, reading and rereading to reapply. And a really, really helpful thing to do. And the nice thing is when you're spending lots of time watching Jesus and being immersed with Jesus, you're not just looking at Jesus, because in John chapter 14 and verse 9, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so the more acquainted we get with Jesus' character and Jesus' demeanor and how Jesus deals with the lost and with those who are weak, that's exactly how the Father would deal with those people. And so that's very helpful for us to improve our own view of God the Father, for it to be healthy and, and good. So anyway, that's a really helpful, practical step when it comes to prayer uh, through our devotional lives. Now, when it comes to, we, um, one last thing on this, that put yourself in the perspective of the person that you're reading about. So, for instance, whenever there's this guy who comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, my son is sick, and um, then the woman comes in and kind of interrupts, his, or I think his servant is sick, and this woman comes, interrupts everything, she touches his garment, Jesus stops, says, who touched me? Then servants come and tell him, it's either a servant or son, I always get him confused, I think it's servant, but he, the, a messenger comes and tells the guy, your servant's dead. Why waste the master's time? Again, it could be son. I'm so, so torn right now. Anyway, he says, you know, your son or your servant, he's dead. And so don't waste the master's time anymore. And just imagine how this guy would feel, right? Because he is a religious leader and the religious, or he's a, he's a centurion. And he comes to Jesus in this circumstance, and you know, centurions generally don't have good experiences with Romans, or with, with Jews, they're just not really on the same page, they're not really cordial and friendly one with another. Romans are oppressing Jews, the Jewish leaders want liberty. And so to even muster the guts to go looking for this Jewish rabbi is a difficult decision for this guy to make. To complicate matters further, what if he gets to Jesus and Jesus says, no, I'm not coming. Right? That could be devastating. But then Jesus actually says yes, so the guy's going to be pretty excited about this, only to find out that once Jesus does finally agree to come, they're dead. What a waste. Just this, this roller coaster, right, of taking a step in faith and then having God show up in a way that gives you encouragement that things could go well, because if Jesus is coming, things can improve. Then they're dead. But Jesus is moved with compassion. He looks at the guy and says, lead the way. I'm going to your house. Don't listen to them. I'm still going to your house. And he raises him from the dead, changes the guy's life. But if you just put yourself in the headspace of the people in these different stories, it takes on a whole new narrative. It takes on a whole new uh, picture in our hearts and our minds. I think of Daniel too. Just imagine being Daniel when the door is knocked on and he's told that I'm here to kill you. Like, whoa, 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 what do you mean you're here to kill me? Like, let's talk about this. It changes the way that I read scripture when I live what I'm reading instead of just, you know, glossing over historical facts. Engage with the story and your devotional life will be revived, right? So, so helpful. And just your study life is going to be improved. So, once we've done that part, just some stuff for your devotional life, what I'd like to talk about now is personal prayer. So, my first thing I would tell you is, when you're engaging in personal prayer, slow down, right? It, it, it's one of the things that when I, when I hear people pray in public, 
it's, you know, sometimes we'll just kind of burn through, especially the end of the prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, please be with this. And we're just like the, back in the 90s, they had this Hot Wheels guy in America for commercials. The guy would just have this ability to talk really, really, really fast. And I struggle with this at times, but like super fast. And We're talking with Jesus. Like you are entering into the presence of the king of the universe. Slow down. Enjoy the experience bask in his glory a while, pump the brakes, slow down, think about who you're speaking to and how he feels about you, right? And how he would love to just have you slow down and tell him what's on your heart, what you care about, what you're scared about. So slow down, take time to praise him. Right? We can get so caught in this consumer mentality that we pray too fast, we just tell Jesus what to do, and before he even gets a chance to open his mouth and say something in response, okay, Jesus, thanks, goodbye, and we just blast our ways out of God's presence and continue with our lives. I really don't think that's what God's wanting for us. So slow down. When you close with, in Jesus' name, enjoy that process. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. Slow down. I pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right, let's not, be, let's not be so in and out and so quickly into God's presence and out of God's presence. When you pray, you're being brought into the presence of God. Enjoy that privilege. Take your time. Enjoy that fellowship. Spend time praising Him, not just telling Him what to do. Praise God for who He is. Praise Him for what He's doing in your life. Praise Him that He cares about the things you're going to ask for before you even ask them, and that He cares about you and that you trust Him. I remember hearing Pavel Goya, I think I talked about this a couple days ago, that Pavel Goya was doing a seminar at a school I used to work at. And he made this powerful statement He said, it's not safe to pray until you've praised him enough to trust. And the idea here is that if we spend time praising God before we even ask for anything, it reminds us of the fact that God has been good to me. God cares about me. God cares about the things I'm going to ask for. And when that's my mindset, I'm going to be praying in faith and not just praying out of mere duty or habit, right? We talked about this in our first message together, that uh, it's not this experience of hopelessness and lack of faith and unbelief. That that murders our prayer lives. It really robs them. But if we're praying in faith, there's power in that. And we're not going to be inclined to pray in faith if we don't remind ourselves of who we're speaking to and just how faithful He's been to us. There's a very easy way to cultivate faith. Pray for your cleansing and your reconciliation. Ask God to cover you and your sins with the blood of Jesus, to fill you with His Holy Spirit, and so forth. Be specific about the things you're praying for, right? And we'll cover this in the intercessory prayer part, but, you know, if you're just praying, God, be with me today, well, God's omnipresent. He's already there. What are you asking God to do for you? Does that make sense? Right? It's not that it's not like an insulting thing to pray to ask God to be with us, But if we aren't praying specific prayers, how are we even going to know if God answered? Right? So that's a big one. Some of us, you may struggle with praying because your mind wanders. I wrestle with this a lot. And so one of the things that's helped me is to pray out loud. And you don't have to holler and let your neighbors hear all your personal, you know, grotesque details about your life. What you can do is just pray under your breath. 
you use your mouth, you enunciate, but you're just kind of whispering briefly under your breath. And it's been very helpful for me because I'm engaging more than one of my senses. And I would recommend that in reading scripture too. But it helps me to engage more than one of my senses. I'm not only speaking, but I'm also hearing myself, even though it's, it's faint and under my breath. And then again, as we talked about yesterday, claim his promises when you're engaging in personal prayer. Uh, if you find yourself wrestling with feelings of separation from God and darkness, ask yourself the earnest question, is there something that God's been convicting me of that I've not surrendered? We talked about surrender already as well. Are there sins that I've not repented of? Are there things that I place in higher estimation and importance than God and communion with Him? Does my prayer life just look like me asking for everything but God? Right? I want this new job. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want, you know, financial blessings, I'm asking for healing for my health, asking for healing for my father, asking for this. We're just asking, asking, asking all about stuff, but we're never asking for Jesus. We're never asking for more of His presence in our lives. We're never asking for Him to live out His life within us, right? So just ask yourself, if you're feeling darkness and separation, do a mental inventory and even ask God, as King David did, search my heart, O God, help me to understand myself, my own weaknesses, and the things that you would like to see take place in my life. This is a really, really thoughtful idea. What if you were to ask God to tell you what to pray for? God, I have some burdens. I have some ideas of what I'd like to, you know, bring before you today. But is there anything in my life that you would want me to pray for today? What's on your heart, God? Because prayer, we're told, is the opening of the heart is to a friend. But if all we're doing is opening the heart is to a friend in a monologue, me speaking and talking and talking and talking and talking, but never giving any time for a response, that's not a very enjoyable experience for the other party. Now, Jesus has already told us that a fa our Father is more delighted to give us good gifts and His Holy Spirit in answer to prayer than a father is to give good gifts to his children. That's true. And God is thankful for the fact that you're willing to come to Him with your needs. That's also true. But God would like to speak to you in your prayer closet. And we would do well to set aside time to just listen. Right? Now, we're not talking about spiritual New Age nonsense where we're emptying our brain of all thoughts and all things like that and channeling a particular verse or thought or something like that. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is praying to God, giving our petitions to Him, but also giving God time to respond, to speak to us, to share with us what's on His heart. God, what do you want me to pray for today? And I think you'll find there's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Again, we talked about this yesterday of praying Scripture back to God, taking the promises that He's given us in His Word, and not just saying, hey, that was pleasant, thank you for that, kind of makes me feel good. Like, no, 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 no. Lord, You've promised me in Your Word that He who comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. So even though I messed up today, and I've done things I wish I wouldn't do, and Jesus, to be honest, I'm feeling a lot of shame for what I've done. I really wish I hadn't made those decisions. God, would You please come into my heart. Would you speak to me? And you've promised that if I come into your presence, you're not going to send me away. So I'm going to hold you to that promise. And Lord, you also promised me in 1 John 1, 9, that if, any, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that word forgive means to separate from sin. So Lord, I'm asking that you would do that for me. Would you come into my heart and separate me from these things that are separating me from you? And bringing the promises of God before Him. Pray, uh, we talked about this, I think a couple days ago, 
uh, no, I think it was actually yesterday, where another statement from Paul Volgoya in his prayer seminar that um, God doesn't mail the blessings to us. The blessings come with Him. And so instead of just focusing on stuff that we're asking of God, what if we ask for the source, you know, praise God through whom all blessings flow or from whom all blessings flow? Why don't we ask for the source instead of one little trace that comes from the source? God, would you just come into my heart and be everything that I need you to be today? Yes, I have financial needs. Yes, I'm dealing with heartbreak. Yes, I'm dealing with discouragement today. But God, I'm just asking to receive you. And would you come in and be the solution to all of these problems I'm dealing with today? You think he would hear you? You better believe it. We're praying to receive Christ and the blessings come with him. Go to Psalm chapter 73. Psalm chapter 73. And we may do intercessory prayer in our next session together, and that's okay. We can take our time. Psalm chapter 73, beginning of verse 25. Oh, I love this. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 27, For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But then in verse 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. If, that, if, if you read statements like this and you find that those statements I just prayed to him or I just read from Scripture aren't true, God, would you change that? You know, is there anyone on earth that I desire besides God? And if there is, Lord, would you change that? Would you allow me to be able to pray Psalm chapter 73 and verse 25 and truly mean that there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you? You're the love of my life. You're what I have been looking for. Would you be any and everything that I need you to be today? And he'll do it. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's everything I've been looking for. In Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and makes that very statement. I'm your exceedingly great reward, Abraham. I'm what you've been looking for. But Abraham struggled with this. All right? He said, no, you're not. You promised me a child and I have no child, right? Eliezer, a servant of my house, is going to be my heir. And God reaffirms his promise to him. No, a child will come through your own body. And a child does come through his own body in Genesis chapter... Before chapter 22, it's around 17, 18, around that range, I think. But once he has Isaac, we still can have the promises of God be more important to us than the God of the promise. And so in Genesis 22, when Isaac is 20 years old, God says, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him for a burnt offering on the mountain of which I will show you. Can you imagine? And there are times in our lives whenever God comes to us and asks us to surrender, prayerfully surrender, even promises and things He's given to us. And by God's grace, you may receive that promise back. You may have to lay it on the altar for good. But what we do know is, if God ever asks us to give up something, He always gives us something better. In Abraham's story, he got his boy back. But the interesting thing is, at the end of Genesis 22, after Abraham offers Isaac and gets him back from the dead, because, I mean, the fact that Isaac didn't die is just convenient. Abraham fully committed to it in his heart. He raised the knife, but God stopped him. But he was going to do it. For all intents and purposes, Isaac did die, right? It was a resurrection without a death. Pretty powerful thought. 
But after Abraham goes through this process and obeys, God says, because you did not withhold your son, your only son from me. There's a difference after the surrender than the initial call. The initial call was, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now after he's offered him, because you did not withhold your son, your only son from me. The difference was whom you love. Abraham now had chosen to love his son less than God. And now it was safe for God to give him the desire of his heart. And some of us may be in that place today. Part of our personal prayer life needs to be a prayer of surrender. Maybe God has made gorgeous, powerful promises to you. But in our weak, fleshly condition, we've made that promise more important than Him. We could not honestly say, there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God has strengthened my heart and my portion forever. We couldn't say that honestly. Hey, we can pray that. God, would you change my heart to be in harmony with this beautiful prayer of Psalm 73? You think He'd do that? You better believe it. And I think I alluded to this a couple days ago. Try walking and praying. If it's difficult for you to focus, if you can't be on your knees, I mean, I remember I wore out a pair of sweatpants. Just, you know, I had callous knees and wore out sweatpants because I go through this long list on my knees. And I eventually got to a point that I realized, you know what? Why don't I go for a walk? And I would just memorize my list and walk and pray, but now my list has gotten bigger. Now that I'm claiming all these scripture promises I talked about yesterday, now what I do is I just have a locked document on my phone that I can either read it uh, or I recorded myself praying that list and then I listen to that recording while I walk my dog in the mornings. And so for an hour, for three and a half, four miles, whatever it is, I just walk and pray, and my dog gets his exercise, I get fresh air, I get beautiful scenery, and I'm repeating the prayer list in my own mind as I'm listening to it, and even praying it back, the things I do have memorized, but just listening and praying those. It's been a huge blessing to me, a huge, huge help. Try fostering a mindset of prayer throughout the day, right? God just doesn't want to hear about, you know, hear from you in the morning. Pray throughout the day. Now, you got a job to do. you got schoolwork and stuff. That's understandable. But just find intentional times throughout the day to remind yourself that God exists. My life is not my own. And I bet you God would love to hear from me right now. Particularly if you're someone who wrestles with feelings of loneliness, feeling there's no one here, no one cares. Take time to check in the one, check in with the one who truly cares. Make sure that God doesn't get lonely in the midst of your day. Yeah? And the last thing I want to mention about this topic of prayer and personal prayer would be fasting. Fasting is such a huge, huge blessing. Now, everyone's story is going to look a little bit different. Maybe you need to consult a physician based upon whether it's safe or healthy for you to be able to completely abstain from food. Maybe for some of us, we can't physically fast uh, because I have a really strong metabolism, so I still do it, but I lose weight when I do it. And so I have to kind of plan, you know, that I'm going to get back in a weightlifting program and eat more and get myself back up to, up to par. But whatever your story may be, there's different things you can fast from. You can eat simply, for instance. You could just do like a fruit and veggie fast or just like fruits nuts and grains, just eat simply. No, uh, you know, processed food, no fast food, no restaurant food, 
You don't have a ton of spices and stuff in it or a ton of, you know, seasonings. Just healthy, simple food, you know, quinoa and vegetables or brown rice and vegetables and lentils or fruit and oats, you know, for breakfast, that type of thing. And just choosing to simplify your life for a while to just focus on spiritual things. Some of us would do very well. In fact, all of us would do well to fast from social media from time to time. I'm trying this whole, like, most of my life fasting now, but uh, apart from work things and just really trim out a lot of things that just aren't good for us. Social media just messes with my mental health and my productivity. And so I just had to make a decision that I spend less time there, try to prioritize work stuff and ministry stuff, and then just stay away. It doesn't really matter what your story is. If it doesn't bother you and, and you don't have an issue with that, hey, praise the Lord, good for you. That's not my story, but good for you. But whatever it is, take time to fast from stuff that's unessential. You know, unessential entertainment. Don't listen to music for, for a week. And just use that time that you fill with music to, to pray, to listen to audiobooks. And I would strongly encourage you, if you aren't used to just being quiet, that has to stop. Busyness is slaughtering the spirituality of so many people, even if it's in a ministry context. Every single one of us needs to learn to slow down and spend time in the presence of God and learn to hear His voice. But if all you're doing all day is listening to sermons and listening to, to Christian music and, and talking on your phone, but you never take time to just slow down and enjoy silence, we're still losing a blessing, even if it's spiritual content. Learn to appreciate and enjoy silence. And give God opportunities to speak to you. Give yourself opportunities to just think, to just process. Where am I going in life? What are my priorities? What do I need to accomplish this day? Because this nonstop grind that Satan has us on is a mess, guys. It is killing our Christianity. Busyness of, of this distracting degree that robs us of quality time with God is a sin. If we're so busy working for God that we never have time to talk to God, that's a problem, right? So we need to slow down, ensure that we're getting proper rest, right? So we can focus and think throughout the course of the day. But anyway, I don't want to chase that rabbit, but it's super, super important. It's a really, really big deal to me that our people need to better understand how to rest in the presence of God. Not to be lazy, not to be sluggards. We need to be intentional about God's service, but learn to slow down and learn to listen, and not just fill our heads with noise and activity all the time. When you go for a run, listen to nothing. Just think, right? You go for walks, you know, especially walks in these peaceful times. If you go for hikes, why ruin that with listening to stuff when you could just listen to the voice of God in nature, right? Listen to the birds sing. We're told in Steps of Christ that the reason why we have these pretty flowers and pretty singing birds isn't because you need it for your survival. It's to show you that you're loved and that you're special to God. Well, if all you're doing is listening to stuff while you're hiking, you've kind of missed an opportunity to just reflect upon the goodness of God in that time, right? I'm not trying to be dogmatic about any of this. You make your own choices, but prayerfully consider how you spend your time. And are you, are you, are you scheduling silence into your life and quietude and rest? It's going to improve your prayer life, I promise you. So anyway, here's some basic principles. I hope that these have been helpful to just kind of reflect upon when it comes to personal prayer. We'll close out tomorrow on the idea of intercessory prayer and some other practical things. Uh, but I hope that this is helpful. Once I learn to slow down, to pray more, to listen to other stuff less, at like in my car rides, I pray and I just think, right? If you just schedule those little times in your life. Because some people may say, look, I don't have time to pray. It's not that you don't have time, it's that we're not using our time wisely or not prioritizing these things for our time. You got time, 
right? If you can spend 15 minutes on Facebook, you can spend 15 minutes in prayer. If you can spend, you know, a 10-minute commute to work listening to music, you can spend that 10-minute commute just asking God to speak to you about how much He loves you and cares for you and wants to bless you, right? We have time. It's about blocking it out and preserving it, right? Because asking is a blessing, and I'm grateful for that theme, but we also need to learn to listen in response to our asking, yeah? All right, let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this time together this morning. I pray that as we're just thinking about practical lessons in prayer, Lord, that you would deliver us from this uh, bondage of busyness and that you would teach us how to hear your voice, to draw closer to you, and to better know your will for our lives. And I hope that these steps have helped us uh, to become even more robust in our personal prayer life and to draw even closer to you. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.